Hello, I'm Christoph, and you're listening to Transit Lounge Radio at Login 2018. Thank you so much for joining me here, Christoph. And so you've just been moderating a panel. Can you tell me what, what you were talking about and what you're here at Login, what your main thing is? I'm, I'm, I have two hats on, actually. <laughs> and the hat I had on today that uh, a company I'm working with... Uh, their name is Traffy. Uh, everyone in Vilnius knows them, not necessarily outside of Vilnius yet. Traffy are great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going to change that, sort uh -huh. of that brand perception. And we today, we have the organizers of Login to actually uh, set up a whole day today called the Future of Mobility, where we had speakers from different institution, institutes, car manufacturers. We had the pleasure to have the mayor of Vilnius here today at noon. And I just, I just came off uh, a panel with people from Airbus, Ital Design, Here Technologies, Volkswagen Group, and the guy uh, who is actually dealing with classic cars at scale. So very different modes of mobility. And we were talking about what will disrupt the future and how will cities actually going to handle that and how consumers, or I prefer to say users, are actually going to behave in the future. How are they? Can you summarize in the top three points? What, what is the future of mobility? The future of mobility will be primarily driven by urban mobility. Mobility will not depend on what we call mobility today only. It goes much broader. It will be interconnected with other systems and be it the digitization, be it energy, talking electric cars, electric buses, and so on. But uh, so that's that's the second. The third thing I believe is that there will be a fundamental change in consumer behavior long term, which is a triggered by technology, but also b by the by, by regulation, obviously, but also by the conscience that it's sometimes pretty cool to walk. I love my bicycle too. Biking is an option. <laughs> I think biking is definitely an option. But I remember last time I came to Vilnius, already from the plane, I saw the kids skiing, and it was deep, deep snow. So I prefer to walk. Over the winter, I have to say, I, I did. I, I walked everywhere, and it's. A, I mean, Vilnius is a beautiful city to walk around. It's really very kind of very livable in that way. If you're not out in the suburbs on the on the trolley bus, and that's maybe also back to the the answer. You know, all of us we are have different mobility occasions. There's the every morning A to B thing, which you want to happen quickly, dry, efficiently. You know, don't talk to me, right? <laughs> And then there's a completely different mobility, which may be the bicycle tour with your friends uh, on, the, on the weekend. And then there's another one where you want to go to the Baltic Sea and where you want to have an efficient train ride or whatever, hide a bus with friends. And I think this is something we need to, to, to consider going forward. There's different occasions and there's different personal needs. There's people, and you have them here in Vilnius, oh, I saw some yesterday who love to show off with their cars, right? And on the other hand, you have guys here who uh, at maximum take a bike, you know, because they're so concerned about a green city. So you have different types of people, you have different occasions, and uh, you have different distances uh, that you need to bridge. And from that you can derive a segmentation, say, and then obviously politicians need to think about who's going to elect them the next round of those different groups. And that will determine on whether they close the city of Vilnius for traffic or not, the old city, the old town. Wow, so that's on the table. Interesting. I don't know whether it's on the table. It was a question that was raised this morning. Uh, I don't know Vilnius well enough, but there's enough cities in the world actually bigger than Vilnius, like London, and uh, they essentially closed down the inner circle of the city. But it works there because everyone 
works together in a very very closely right and it's I think it's really good what you have here. I mean, Truffy shows the way in Vilnius already. It's uh, an informal way to connect all the dots. It helps, and it's today almost, I think, every tenth commute, every tenth drive in Vilnius is already managed via Truffy, right? Which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's extraordinary. I was only introduced to it fairly recently, but just being able to find out, like, oh, because I was trying to find, like, how do I get from here to there? And the buses are very difficult to understand. And so Traffy actually really helped to navigate an, a, an unfamiliar city in a way that was really great. And I think if it's well done, you know, if you scale these kind of things, it will help you discover new cities. Mm. You know, I, I live in Berlin, so I mean, if you come to Berlin tomorrow, it's not that obvious to navigate it. I'm sure people have here maps or Google Maps or Apple Maps. You, you get accustomed to it, you get used to it, and you even have public transport functions on it. But have you ever seen, you know, landing in Rome? Holy shit, <laughs> where do I get a ticket from? And what's the rise profit fare? You know, how does it work? I just spent a week in Tokyo. I tell you, I had a lot of respect for the subway until I understood it, and I loved it. But, you know, this initial understanding and developing that understanding and avoiding certain peak hours and blah, 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 this is something um, intelligent mobility technology can help. So it's like you can get that deep local knowledge from the app, not from, like, having to have a friend go with you, go, well, actually, if you get out here and change there and then you walk two blocks, then you didn't avoid blah, blah, blah. I lived in Berlin for 10 years and it took me quite a while to learn to navigate the U-Bahn and I, ca- I quite like the buses because often they're more direct. You don't have to do three changes to get to, <laughs> to get to where you're going. And so what's your other hat that you're here under? The second hat is actually, I'm, I'm going to give a keynote tomorrow afternoon on a topic which is marketing 4.0. What is that? <laughs> Yeah, everyone keeps on asking me about that. Uh, that's that's the whole intent. It's it's not as good as the title which was on now, Future of Sex, right? That's what obviously attracted lots of, lots of people. It's a better marketing. I, no, marketing 4.0 for me is the, the, the really, where is the future marketing going? Uh, because many people are talking about programmatic and technical and so on. And there's many things are right in that. You know, new marketing is going to be much more technical, data-driven, AI-driven. Mm-hmm. There will be new operating models, how agencies work in the future, how content is being created, and how social media are going to be interplayed. That's one thing. The one thing that won't get missing is creativity. That's the other side. And I firmly believe in that good old Spice Girl sentence, what you really, really want, (laughs) right? So you really need to know what you really, really want and you need to know what your users or consumers really, really want. And uh, there's one thing that won't change in that, even in Marketing 4.0, that any product, any content, anything you produce, service, whatever it is, needs to be relevant, distinctive, and credible. And how to get there, that's what I'm going to talk about tomorrow afternoon. Excellent. Well, I'll have to try and make it along. And I mean, once you've made the product relevant, distinctive, and credible, then you need to actually let people know that it's out there. So what kind of strategies or tools do you sort of talk about for that? I'm, I'm going to give a few examples tomorrow, actually, for, for what you do. You know, And as a, I think I have a total of 20 terms that I'm going to sort of load with examples tomorrow. And uh, there can be, as, as examples, you know, you can use new brands. And an example I have is the good old German Borgwart brand, which is now used by a Chinese company to launch a new car brand, right? Because they put things together. Sticking to cars, there's this Cinquecento, which has been an amazing car. And through marrying it with brands like uh, Gucci, okay, it gets as a cheap car to an appeal, which is very, very interesting. And there's more examples like that. You can starify things. You can 
you, you can as I said, marry things, you can stage them differently, you can build flagship stores, you can create completely new experiences. And I'm going to have some examples from stuff which I liked and enjoyed, and it's about inspiring people tomorrow. Okay, well, so for the listeners who won't be able to make it, would you give me like one or two of those, like a little sneak preview for some of the things that have inspired you? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's one one example, um, and I, I love to actually collect personal experiences, and um, my, my sister just shared mit, with me a store, shoe store. Great topic for girls. <laughs> a shoe store which is entirely organized by color. So not by size, not by type of shoe, it's organized by color. It's not something you've seen before in Uniqlo, for instance, or that's something you've seen in Sephora, fragrance stores, you organize by colors. But in a shoe store, I think for me this is, this is wow, this is a new retail experience. At least, will it last? Not sure, but at least it's something people talk about and see. So that's, that's one, I think, very, very nice example. I could go find more silver shoes. That would always make me happy. <laughs> and another another example which I really like is um, a, a brand called Jean Paul. It's actually the spin off of Paul Mitchell shampoos, and Jean Paul is the shampoo for dogs. <laughs> That's so cute. The interesting thing about it is it has a big claim on it, which says not tested on humans. <laughs> that, that's really beautiful. That really spins things around. And that's what I mean, you know. You can be really, really good at technology. You can be really, really good at putting out, you know, uh, social media advertising there. You have all your cool bloggers and blah, blah, blah. If you don't have ideas, if you don't have intuition, if you don't think out of the box, if you stop to taking yourself too serious, you know, if you don't stop doing that, right, it pays out. It pays out, and people will appreciate creativity going forward. Because, as I was just say, say, jokingly saying about the future of sex, they talked about robotics in there. They did not actually talk about sex. But what it did, it pulled people in. Now, here's the problem. People think it's relevant. It was definitely distinctive. But if in the end, it's not credible, because it was not about sex. You don't buy the product again. So that's the whole thing, and that's the whole concept. You know, you need to stay authentic. You need to be true with your messaging. You need to not deceive people. And I think talking to you as a journalist, it's obvious. You know, I mean, there's a reason why people come back. That's because you're you. And I think the same is true for every brand 4.0. Well, thank you. That was a lovely compliment. But I think that thing of two of being of playfulness is really important because, uh, you know, the world, the world can get kind of serious and a little bit like, mm, a little bit dark. And I think that when you can kind of bring something that, gives people a little shift in perception, a little moment of joy, whether it's in advertising or in art or shoes, um, that you're also kind of adding something that enhances some, some, someone's experience of the world that day. And, you know, and that's the reason when I was asked uh, half a year back, you know, whether I would help Trophy in building the brand, uh, this is why I accepted it. You know, it's um, obviously it's relevant, obviously it's distinctive, and it's very credible because it works. But on top of that, you know, it's, um, and needless to tell you, I guess, but it's so cool to be here in Vilnius, and you see how people are energized, 
positive it is, how there's so much optimism, how there's such so many well-educated and trained people who've come back, you know, like the organizers of this amazing event here. You know, that is it, it's truly international, but it's rooted, and uh, there's so much energy, and I think that's what's motivating as well. You know, there's always this business thing to things. Mm-hmm. Always say, okay, that's cool, and you can do it, and we can grow it, and maybe even make money. But on the other hand, just, you know, uh, working in a in an environment which in, which is inspiring and fun. It's just really cool. And that's that's what I love about being here. That's why I can't wait for the party tonight to <laughs> finally log out. <laughs> I know the party's going to be great. And I mean, I think it's really interesting because I know quite a few people who've come back to Lithuania after being away for 10 years or 15 years and have really come back wanting to like bring different ideas and different skills and like there is really a vibrancy to the city also in the contemporary art scene it's very you know culturally alive and the tech startup scene is incredible completely and uh, now we can chit chat a bit you know but because it's i mean in berlin it's not the same anymore it was that way in berlin after the wall came down i wasn't living there then at that time right but i've lived there for six years now but i can see that there's too many people who just go through berlin They go through it for two or three years and they're gone again. There's very little commitment. You know, everyone loves the city for the food and the fun and the culture and the art and la 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 la. But no one commits to the city. No one, in, uh, not no one, but it, there's new people in Berlin. Don't in, some engage for our refugees, some engage in churches, some engage in politics, but many do not. Many are consuming the city, but not building it. And I think that's the difference here in Vilnius. There's a real commitment to build. And it shouldn't be Vilnius only, it should be the country, really. It's Lithuania, right? No, that's a really interesting distinction. I wanted to ask you one question about marketing. So for my new podcast, tell me three of the top tips that I should employ to try and bring it to another level. I know very little about your podcast, so so for me the, the core question is again to back to my three things. You know, in what is it different, better than others? Why should I li- listen to that podcast instead of sleeping, or talking to friends, or listening to music? So I think that's the first question. You really need to be very clear on why you answer. And the, the question that goes with it is obviously, whom do you want to listen? It won't be for everyone. You know, I mean, you need to make choices. Stuff which is for everyone is kind of difficult, especially if it's about content. You know, we're not talking a design object. Yeah, we're, we're talking some conversations, some intellectual challenges. You know, this is not just a stupid iPhone 11, 12, 13, right? Which is a nice, I like it. You know, it's a nice piece of design. It's a, it's a nice technical feature, but this is different. So you need to really, really think through how you how you differentiate in your target audience. That's the first one, I think. The second one is then you need to make sure you get reach. Yeah? How do you get reach? And one thing, I'll be talking about that tomorrow as well, very briefly, is sharing. Make sure people can share. It's so interesting in media how often I want to send an article or a, a video on YouTube or LinkedIn, whatever. And very often people are limiting themselves to two or three things. Mm-hmm. Why is not everything automatically shareable via as a text message, SMS, good old SMS? Why not via email? You know, when I want to share something with my mom, I can get her on WhatsApp, but it's much easier to get her on email because that's what she consumes on her laptop. So, yeah. so that's the second one. This is really about sharing. And then the third one is 
continue to reinvent your product every day. Once you position it, as we said at the beginning, you make sure everyone knows about it because it's shareable. Thirdly, reinvent it, experiment, innovate, be creative, uh, do some crazy things, you know, be a bit nerdy, be a bit quirky, <laughs> be a bit funny, uh, you know, invite people for a day to do things, you know, do a session with men only because everyone's doing women only stuff at the moment, right? Do do stuff which, do a day with kids, you know, do things which inspire uh, people out there and make them, make, makes them laugh. And keeps it, yeah, fresh and playful and invigorating, I guess, for me as well as for the audience. Thank you. I will take those tips on board. <laughs> and tell me one last question is, what is your vision for the future and how do we get there? Uh, we as, who is we? Very good question. How do we as a society, as people coming together to try and think differently about future you know, I, I just I just said that, you know, I just spent a week in Japan and a week in China. Um, their future is much different from ours. You know, my kids have the luxury now to grow up in a context which is that they have to complete freedom to do what they want. They are Western European rich kids, if you wish, right? Um, even though they're not rich, but they're rich because they can do what they want. So uh, my two oldest kids have both decided to become creators, Right. You know, we just told them, yeah, you do what you want because that's the only thing that will make you happy. So I think personal happiness is the first thing to start with. It's good if you can achieve it. We just always need to remember that many people cannot achieve it, right? Who cannot even achieve it, neither in Western nor in Eastern Europe, right? So I think that's the first thing. I think we need to get to a level of wealth for everyone. And we need to make sure this dream continues, right? Um, and whether it's you call it Christian or socialist or whatever, we need to continue to support people or social democrat, whatever. You know, we, we need to continue to support people to get to a minimum level of living, which is good. I think we need more participation. I said that before. I think people should commit more. And if they don't want to commit, they should pay. I have no problem paying high taxes because I pay my high taxes because there's other things I can't do. Because I love my work, so I invest a lot in my work. I get money out of it. I pay taxes so teachers can work. Motorways are built, so you know mobility apps are being implemented. I mean, that's, uh, that's the whole thing. So I think it um, has, yeah, has to do with we need to help those who cannot support themselves we have to push and take the money from those who can in order to, to, to do that. I think that's super important going forward. So I'm completely against any deal-making. All right. Well, on that note, thank you so much for joining me in the Transit Lounge. It was a pleasure to talk to you. <laughs> thank you so much. Have a great day and see you at the party. <laughs> Let's log out.